0: Hi, travelers, you can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, December 12th. Uh, Good show today, Zach. Just me and you again. Justin actually uh, went to Dallas uh, this past weekend to unfortunately watch the Eagles in Arlington. Uh, We'll hear about that when he gets back. Pretty tough for him, all things considered, uh, him being an Eagles fan like myself. But uh, good show, though. Getting on, uh, having on Maria Sorreo from uh, L.A. going to break down uh, Shohei Otane going to the Dodgers. Uh, Lakers winning the in-season tournament. Maybe talk some um, Rams as well, Rams and Chargers. But Before that, let's break down the Shohei Otane trade. Zach, I know we talked about it on Saturday's show. We knew it was going to happen by Saturday, by Sunday, sometime around like the weekend, and it did end up happening. He is going down the road to the Dodgers, uh, 10-year, $700 million deal. What are your overall initial thoughts about this? My, I mean, best offense he's ever been a part of, or best or best team in general. I mean, he's never been a part of a winning team, a team that actually had potential to go and win the whole thing. So just what's your overall impression about Otani finally being on a championship-caliber team for the first time of his career?
1: Yeah, I don't really think it's all that surprising he ended up with the Dodgers. It's the team that I would have guessed he would have gone to at the start of free agency, and it sounds like over the next 10 years, he's only going to get paid $2 million a year. So $680 million are going to be deferred till the end of the deal. So I don't exactly know how that works or how the Dodgers are going to make that happen. But, you know, the contract's unprecedented. I mean, $70 million on average, just insanity. And it's going to be interesting next year because, as we mentioned, he's not going to pitch. He's only going to mm-hmm. hit next year. I wonder if he follows the lead of Babe Ruth, as I talked about, where Babe Ruth was doing a little bit of both. Then he found out that he was better as a hitter and then just only became an outfielder and stopped pitching once he got to the Yankees. So I wonder if Shohei Otani will ever pitch a game in a Dodger uniform, but you look at that lineup, I mean, how do you get anybody out in that lineup the way that it's constructed right now?
0: Yeah, uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, he'll likely hit third. Uh, behind those two is what what people are saying. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned it, Zach, the pitching is not fixed. He still need, I mean, they still need to get pitching. I mentioned them being a caliber, a championship caliber team, but this team still has big, big time uh, uh, bullpen issues as we saw in the playoffs this past year. Yeah, I mean, he not going to pitch until 2025 like you said he's gonna the dodgers arguably will make back this money probably within two to three years uh given you know all the money he's going to bring in from overseas in japan and then of course just the dodgers fans they have across the nation as well with all the t-shirt sales and everything else that they're going to sell so they very well might even make this money back in the two years before he he starts making the full-time amount of money that as you mentioned earlier but yeah uh, dodgers definitely have a chance otani i mean Best hitters in the league, probably one of the best hitters in the league, Uh, uh, 0.304, led the American League with 44 home runs and an on-base percentage of 0.412, led the entire league in 2023 with a slugging percentage of 0.654 and an an OPS of 1.066, one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in the league. And time will tell if he'll actually go back to pitching in 2025. We'll see. He might, like you said, Zach, might take on the uh, career path that Babe Ruth did uh, when he went to the Yankees. Jaden Daniels, Heisman, they, uh, as we all thought, Jaden Daniels did end up winning the Heisman, moving on college football. Were you surprised, Zach? I wasn't, uh, you know, only two quarterbacks this year, rushed for 1,000 yards. Uh, he obviously had a ton of, you know, in-the-air potential, uh, This in-the-air in stats this whole year as well. Uh, was one of the most explosive quarterbacks of the year. And uh, what are your overall thoughts? Were you really surprised when this happens, especially, you know, going into the last, like, week or two of college football?
1: Yeah, I mean it's not surprising that Jaden Daniels mm-hmm. won the Heisman. Of the six previous quarterbacks that accounted for fifty touchdowns in the SEC, all of them won the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels, the best player in college football this season. It's kind of odd that he played for a three-loss team, and he doesn't really have the "quote unquote" Heisman moment. But he had a couple uh, had a game where against Florida, where he accounted for over six hundred yards. Multiple games he accounted for over five hundred yards, and it's nice to see if they gave it to the best player in college football, not just the best quarterback on the best team or. You know, we even have to be a playoff team necessarily. So, Jane Daniels was the best player in the country this year. I think the only other guy you could have made an argument for was Michael Penix, but I mm-hmm. think they got it right.
0: Do you think it was the poor uh, offense that the uh, UW had in the last like couple of weeks that hurt Penix's stock to win it? Almost. No, I, know, I, I don't yeah.
1: think I don't think Penix lost it. I think Daniels went out and took it.
0: Yeah, and Bo Nixon, uh, you don't think he had a chance either? No. Um, I think he was able to catch up to Daniels, though. Uh, I mean, but Daniels just continuously put up 200 plus yards in the air and 100 plus yards on the ground, you know, in his past, you know, couple of weeks. And uh, I think Bo Nix, uh, ironically, it kind of sounds weird, but Bo Nix not passing Mac Jones for that completion percentage also kind of sealed the deal for Daniels as well. And I think mm-hmm. I've been hearing that a lot from people. Just wasn't able to get it done. And, uh, Michael Penix, of course, was beaten out. I don't. I. I don't think Michael Penix lost it. I. I do agree with you. I think Daniels was just overall just dominant. All things considered, he was able to take an LSU offense that wasn't as talented as UW, uh, looking very, very. I mean, explosive on offense, and he didn't nearly have the pieces that Michael Penix had at UW. So I think it was definitely the right call, and yeah, good for him and uh, winning that out. Last bit of news before moving on to NFL week 14, Zach Lakers win the in-season tournament kind of felt destined, right? Lakers being the uh, NBA's most historic franchise of all time. Uh, most one of the most historic players of all time, if not the most historic player and winning it uh, in Las Vegas over the weekend. What are your overall thoughts about this? LeBron winning the MVP award of the tournament, despite Anthony Davis, arguably, arguably playing better Uh, it's a kind of another, I mean, the two big, my biggest takeaway from the incident tournament, the, the last two major victories, quote unquote, or accomplishments the Lakers have accomplished was obviously that, you know, championship they won in COVID in Orlando at the Walt, you know, Walt Disney. Uh, complex and then this in-season tournament and it kind of seems like they were they were both a little bit you know as PMT always alludes to uses the word Mickey Mouse and so what was your overall thought on this uh in-season tournament was it like a another Mickey Mouse victory no, for the Lakers or was it pretty was, impressive
1: no and the COVID championship wasn't Mickey Mouse either everybody played under the same conditions the Lakers just did it better than everybody else they were equipped to handle this LeBron and AD veteran players that have been on this stage before and you know they As soon as they got to the semifinals, they just ran away with it. Dominated the Pelicans, dominated the Pacers. This team went undefeated throughout group play. There was nothing fluky about it. There's no Mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse title. So, no, the Lakers earned it. And I think overall the in-season tournament was a success. I'd like to see the semis and the championship played on somebody's home court as opposed to neutral court. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, LeBron did something that Michael Jordan never did, and that's come back from Vegas richer.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, offense played amazing for the Lakers the entire tournament. On Saturday night alone, 53.4% from the field. Defense held up as well, um, holding what was an efficient and impressive Indiana offense to only 368 shooting from the floor. So, and like I said, LeBron did end up winning the MVP award. Uh, many people were th- saying that Anthony Davis should have won it. Uh, playing a little bit better than LeBron, all things considered, throughout the tournament and especially on Saturday night as well. But still, great for the Lakers. Happy to see it. And I mean, I'm, last time I'll say it, but overall, success in season tournament was a success, all things considered. Especially, you know, many people did not think it was going to have the success that it was going to have. So, you know, great for uh, great for the NBA. Great for Adam Silver uh, implementing something that people ultimately ended up liking. NFL Week 14 closest game let's start with let, let's start with that like we always do Zach <laughs> we might have the same closest game and we certainly weren't going to have the same snoozer but what is uh your closest game of the week
1: yeah it's the one I thought would be the closest game it's the Bills Chiefs game this was mm-hmm. this game had a little bit of everything Buffalo jumped out to a 14-0 lead dominated the Chiefs came back and then ultimately it was Josh Allen who had that big third down throw as he was falling out of bounds so Latavius Murray I'm still not sure that he had full possession of the ball but they gave it to him and the Bills were able to go down and get a field goal out of it. And, of course, what we're all going to talk about is <laughs> Kadarius Tony being off sides, correctly called. And Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid just didn't like the fact that that got called. But it, it was a shame because it took away one of the coolest plays I've ever seen, Travis Kelsey catching a long ball downfield and then laddering it off to Tony for a touchdown. That would have been yeah. one of the plays of his Hall of Fame career that we would be looking back on if that play stood. But – Kadarius Tony clearly offsides. This is the second game that he has lost for them. The Lions game where he couldn't catch a cold, and now this game. And Kansas State's receivers just continue to plague this team on a week-in, week-out basis. But you talk about a much-needed win. That was basically a season-saving game okay. for the Bills, and now they're in that cluster of seven and six teams that have a real shot at this. They've still got Dallas on Sunday. they got the Dolphins at the end of the year. But the Charger game looks pretty winnable now without Justin Herbert, and, of course, the Patriot game is very winnable. So now the Bills – we can talk about whether they're going to make the playoffs or not. And they needed to have this game and they got it.
0: You mean there was a, there was a call that wasn't called? Apparently
1: that's what I've heard. Apparently.
0: Oh, wow. First time I'm hearing about that. Um, t- Chiefs. I mean, yeah, that call was obviously controversial, but Chiefs started out slow though. I mean, yep. they've been doing it all season long uh, killing its first four drives in turnover, uh, which resulted in a turnover and three punts in a row Uh, Buffalo built an early 14 to nothing lead, and it wasn't all on Tony. I mean, they should never have been in that position in the first place. If they didn't start out so slow and had to rely on endgame heroics, things could have been a lot different down the stretch. My only takeaway from the call, I mean, I think it's one of those situations where two things can be true at the same time. I think it was offsides, uh, objectively, no doubt about that. It, It definitely was offsides. But, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Zach. Do you think it actually affected the play at all. And I know, I think you might say it doesn't matter if that was a foul, but my opinion is, especially at a end of the game, you know, end of the game call like that, do you think it should have more weight on the actual play the foul? Cause I think him being offsized by that half foot, I don't think really affected him at all or affected really the play. And I want to get kind of your thoughts on that side of it.
1: No penalties, a penalty. If it's a penalty, yeah. the first minute of the game, it's a penalty in the last minute of the game. You got to call it. Even if it may not have a direct impact on the play, he got a technical head start. I mean, it's like if we're all of a sudden just not going to penalize defensive players for getting into the neutral zone early. So no, it's, mm-hmm. it if it's If he's off sides, you got to call it.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, Tony, like you said, lost another game for them. And, Catching continues to be a problem for the Chiefs. I'm not going to bang that in the head. We've already been saying that at, at length already. Everyone has been saying that. That's the biggest problem for the Chiefs going down the stretch here. Chiefs, though, for the first time, obviously looking in, uh, well, looking, you know, fighting for a divisional spot, I should say, excuse me. Chiefs obviously lost this past weekend, dropped four of their last six games uh, after starting the season six and one. Denver Broncos, they beat Chargers yesterday and uh, uh, went over the, well, they went over the Chargers, puts them just one game out of tying for the AFC West lead. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, Chiefs fighting for that divisional spot for the first time and Mahomes most likely, I don't even know if it's possible for the Chiefs to win the, the conference anymore, but the Chiefs will, I mean, Mahomes and the Chiefs will be playing a uh playing a game on the road in the playoffs if they even make the playoffs this year.
1: They're going to make playoffs. I, I don't I think, think we have so. to worry much about that. Yeah. They're probably still going to win the to. division. Uh, but, yeah, they're probably going to have to go on the road. Yeah.
0: Most intriguing storyline. Move us on. What is your most intriguing storyline this past week?
1: Most intriguing storyline is going to be the best teams in the NFL have started to emerge, and it might be the 49ers, and it's the Cowboys. I mean, you watch what Dallas did last night, total domination of the Eagles, left no doubt from the very beginning, went down, scored their opening drive, forced three turnovers, three fumbles by the Eagles. This game was never competitive from the beginning. And the big question everybody had about Dallas all year was, what are they going to do when they play good teams? Because they've been beaten up on the average teams. Well, now they're beaten up on good teams, and the Eagles came to town, never were in that game. Uh, the running game never got going. Dak Prescott might be the MVP of the league the way he's playing. And this Dallas defense with Michael Parsons, Stephon Gilmore, they've got a playmaker at all three levels of that defense. And right now, I just nobody's playing better football than the Cowboys. But the 49ers are the number one seed now because they beat both the Eagles and the Cowboys throughout the season. And Brock Purdy continues to play at an MVP level, dominated yesterday against the Seahawks. Both teams have pretty favorable schedules down the road. I'll tell you what, Christmas Day – Ravens, Mm -hmm. 49ers, in prime time, man, that might be the best regular season game of the year. But right now, the 49ers and the Cowboys have emerged, I think, as the best teams in the NFC, if not the entire NFL.
0: I think think the entire NFL, personally, especially with how the AFC is kind of beating up on each other. Philadelphia scored more points on defense than they they did on offense. Um, Scoop and score... Uh, and a defensive touchdown from Jalen Carter. Uh, Philadelphia f- failed to score on an offensive touchdown, like I just said, and fumbled the ball three times—one from Jalen Hurts, and then two others from AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. Very bad. I mean, Eagles' offense has looked extremely poor lately. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, did it—you know, got it done where he had to get it done. 271 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Cowboys didn't even need to score touchdowns in the second half because the game was well in their hand. The defense didn't allow a touchdown and force three fumbles, like I said. Uh, Brendan Aubrey hit – Four field goals, including two from 59 plus yards, they could have they could have beaten any team in the NFL with this performance. The Cowboys, in general, with how they've been playing at home lately, has been insane. Uh, if they would have scored another touchdown, made it you know 40 points instead of the 33, it would have been the fifth consecutive game at home where the Cowboys have scored more than 40 points or 40 plus points in each of those five games, which is you know is absolutely insane. And the Cowboys, like you said, Zach, are in an absolute role right now. I, they are, you know, with the 49ers, the best team in the league uh, right now. And who would you say, I mean, who would you give the knot to before I move on to my most intriguing storyline? Like, who would you give the knot to as being the best team? Uh, 49ers or the Cowboys? If you, if you had to choose, gun go well, ahead?
1: They played. San Francisco yep. won by 32. So you yep. got to give it to them. And they beat the Eagles by a lot, too. So right now it's the 49ers.
0: Yeah. You just watch the 49ers play, too. They just look, Yeah, I mean, so 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 complimentary and dominant. Speaking of that, though Lions, um, not probably the least complimentary team in the NFL right now. Uh, defense came out poorly on Sunday, uh, you know, against Chicago. Uh, offense, uh, offense is pretty inconsistent. Considering, like, uh, you know, the first half and second half, comparing the first half and second half offense, uh, special teams doesn't play in line with their offense and defense as well. Penalties, huge problem for Detroit. You know, put them in a huge hole early on in this game against. Chicago. Chicago couldn't shut down Justin Fields. Justin Fields had an absolute heyday against the Lions. Yeah, I mean, that's my most intriguing storyline. Like, what is going on with the Lions? They started out so hot. They were one of the best teams in the league when the the season first started. And now they find themselves, you know, playing pretty abysmal for all things considered. And I mean, it's a tale of two halves for the Lions, too. Detroit has struggled yeah. extremely – I mean, they've been struggling all second half, all season long, uh, multiple three-and-outs Sunday against the Bears. Uh, Bears got plenty of momentum off that. Matt Eberflus' offense moved the ball well. Uh, Fields moved the ball well. Cole Komet played really well too. And DJ Moore, of course, really uh, came out like he's been coming out all season and just absolutely dominated the Lions. So, yeah, yeah the Detroit's outscored 9-0 and a cr- critical error by Huddersen, contributed to a more touchdown. In again that second half, Lions didn't even uh, Lions didn't even get a first half or a first down, excuse me, uh, in the second half until yeah. nearly midway through the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Lions are have to get things figured out. They were one of the best teams, one of the most exciting teams, and now uh, over these last maybe even four weeks, you could say they've been looking very anemic and I mean something has to happen with the Lions Yeah I'm worried
1: about them because their their defense they're going to be called e because there's no D in them right now. They're really struggling Mm -hmm. on that side of the ball. They turn the ball over and look if they didn't give they didn't come back a couple weeks ago against the Bears from down 26-14. We're talking about them having lost three of their last four games. You know, you lose to the Packers on Thanksgiving, you lose this game. It's been a while since we've seen the Lions be all that impressive. They're going to win the division, but I think there's a clear gap between the top three teams in the NFC and then the Lions are on that mm-hmm. next level.
0: I mean, they rush, they try to pass rush like every single play, it seems like, and they can't get field to the ground. If they miss like four really bad tackles against fields, this game, uh, you know, rushing so much leads their secondary open and they, yeah, their defense is a massive problem. Uh, Iraflus, of course, definitely not the best coach in the league, but even he was looking, uh, pretty competent uh, against a Lions team when it doesn't really happen often with Eber Flus and his Chicago squad surprise of the week Zach what was your surprise of the week was it I mean besides maybe the Lions losing to Chicago any other surprises you have
1: I was gonna say case? that's probably the surprise of the week but uh, I'm actually gonna go up to the metal I'm gonna give it to the Jets that was probably their best mm-hmm. performance of the year against the Texans Zach Wilson actually looked like a competent NFL quarterback they ran the ball pretty well but the, their defense really dominated against C.J. Stroud and a Texans' offense that, yes, they were banged up. Take Dell was out. Nico Collins is out. So you're down your top two receivers. But the Texans could not get the running game established. That was the worst game of C.J. Stroud's career to this point. And it just mm-hmm. goes to show that this Jets defense is still really good. You know, all we talk yeah. about is Zach Wilson, his struggles, and the Jets offense can't get out of their own way. Their defense is still very good and gives them a chance in every game they play. And that was the kind of jet performance that we've been waiting to see out of them all year. And maybe we would have gotten it more if Aaron Rodgers were healthy, but that was a very impressive performance by the jets.
0: Yeah. This is my surprise of the week too. Uh No, no surprise. Uh Zach Wilson, best game of his career. Uh, I think it was his best, best game of his career. 301 yards, two touchdowns. Um Offense played really well. And the defense got back to their form in, Like you said, maybe gave Stroud his worst game of his career. Only uh, the offense in general mustered only 144 yards, only 63 passing, 2.8 yards per play and went one in 12 on third downs. Yeah, this was a, I don't know if Texans are just overlooking the Jets or what happened here, but it was a weird game for sure. And it's definitely my, uh, yeah, definitely my surprise of the week. Shootout of the week. Zach, what was a shootout of the week? Ah, uh, we're going it. to Baltimore,
1: the Ra- Ravens and the Rams. This was maybe the most fun game of the day. Lamar Jackson continues to show why he's an MVP candidate, MVP front runner. Uh, three touchdowns, 316 yards passing, also rushed for 70 yards. You know, Odell Beckham, Isaiah Likely, Zay Flowers, all got involved. All, all each had a touchdown. In this game, the Ravens were able to pull this out because Tywin Wallace had the pump return touchdown. Maybe the most exciting play in football, by the way, is a Mm walk-off pump return touchdown. Second time we've seen that this year. Uh, Xavier Gibson did it in the opener on Monday night for the Jets against the Bills. Big-time win for the Ravens. They go to 10-3. They're now the number one seed in the AFC. How about Matthew Stafford kind of turning the clock back? 294 yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup had a big day, very reminiscent of what we saw a couple years ago. Kyron Williams ran the ball effectively. The Rams gave themselves opportunities to win this game it's just the ravens were able to take it late and we thought with the weather the way that it was it could be kind of a sloppy game it was anything but
0: yeah this is my I mean it's for for many reasons why it's the share of the week was the most high scoring game of the of the week but ravens passing uh the their deep balls uh was amazing in this game First two touchdown passes: fifty-four yard, yards to, to Likely Isaiah Likely, like you said, Zach, and then forty-six to Beckham, you know, Beckham Jr. Uh, for the second touchdown of the game. Jackson took multiple other deep shots in the game as well. So I was just surprised by the emergence of their deep ball game, something that we haven't really been seeing a whole lot by the Ravens really this year. But most importantly, their whole Lamar Jackson's entire time there at, at the Ravens and just the Ravens in general—they're not really known to be a team that has explosive offense at the wide receiver room and definitely don't really take deep shots down the field. So it was really cool seeing that. Zay Flowers, you already said, Zach, rise of him. Uh, Ravens in good spot for number one seed in that AFC uh, and probably the AFC North crown as well. Um, So yeah, this is an impressive performance, all things considered. Puka Nakua, I'll mention him as well. He played really, really well. You mentioned Matt Stafford already. He played obviously Pretty, I mean, he played amazing too. two, but Pukunakua, not only did he catch five passes for 84 yards, but he also drew two pass interference penalties that moved the ball 15 yards and 16 yards each. So kind of off the stat things you don't really think of, but overall played really well. Cooper Cup played really well too. Both teams just, you know, deserve to win this game really, but it was just the Ravens at the end of the day that were able to get that win in overtime. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Other end, we're gonna have the same snoozer of the week. So I'll let you yeah f- f- uh, go first.
1: Uh, it's probably the snoozer of the NFL season so far. Yeah. Maybe one of the biggest snoozers in NFL history. Vikings Raiders mm-hmm. in a dome. Like they didn't even have the excuse of bad weather. They didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't have yeah. anything. Josh Dobbs got benched for Nick Mullins. Uh, what what is there to say? Uh, this yeah. was just that this this game set football back. 20 years and if you watch the entire thing you're a sicko
0: there was almost almost double the amount of yards punting than there was total yards of offense so uh, both teams combined for 830 yards punting and then only 433 yards of offense do you think uh, the Josh Dobbs era at Minnesota might be over I don't think so because really they have no other option yeah I don't think he was benched for Nick Mullins what I do don't think, think I mean, it's
1: over. I think they'll go back to him next week, and then, but it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a short leash.
0: Yeah. game. This game saw his first two passes nearly be intercepted and completed only 10 of his 23 total passes on the game, only for 63 yards while taking five sacks. Of course, that's not all being on him. Vikings' defense played pretty well, though. Uh, Low-scoring game, and the offense obviously didn't show up at all, but Jack, uh, Justin Jefferson, he does, he does return only to lead the game again injured uh kind of sad all things considered. I, I, I don't know what his status is gonna be going forward. I think we did find out he's not gonna play next game. Uh I think I saw earlier, but I might still be in the air. I'm not really sure. But yeah, not really much else to say about this game. Just Jefferson came back, had to leave early though. It, uh, offense absolutely terrible for the Raiders and yeah, not might be the worst game of the season, like you said Zach, I agree. Uh what other games did we miss? Bucks Falcons. Um pretty good. I mean, but good for the Bucks. Baker Mayfield got it done again, late game heroics, able to get the Bucks to win against the Falcons. Um, I don't really have much else to say about this game. Yeah, um, no,
1: Baker Mayfield played pretty well. Yeah. This was very similar to the Texans game, except the Buccaneers are able to finish it down the stretch. And you know, again, what Arthur Smith continues to do with B. John Robinson should be investigated for a war crime. Ten carries mm-hmm. for thirty-four yards, and you know, he's probably the best weapon they've got. Kyle Pitts only having three catches. I just. I never understand the Falcons' offensive strategy. I would get the ball to my best players, but that's just me. What do yeah. I know?
0: Atlanta fans have to hate and love Desmond Ritter at the same time. Careless with the football, fumbling twice, uh, throwing an interception. Uh, that was essentially a pick six, but then doing heroics in the fourth quarter when they need him the most, playing pretty fun football, all things to consider, but obviously not getting it done and not taking care of the ball, most importantly. Bucks again did do enough to win, and Falcons offense continues just to look really bad under Ritter and not utilizing their playmakers the best that they can. Colts Bengals, uh Jake Browning might be legit. Uh yeah, completed 18-24, sure like 275, two touchdowns, one only one interception. He ran for a score too. This was obviously yeah. coming off. I mean, of course, coming off of his uh primetime game. I think that was a Monday night game. Yeah, it, right? was, it was last Sunday week. Night. Yeah. yeah, Monday night game. I know it was a prime time game, I just wasn't sure if it was Sunday or Monday. Well, I'm just, so Jake Browning, what do you think he has a potential to at least lead the Bengals to the playoffs, or do you it's think it's certainly out
1: other? there? Again, there's a lot of seven and six teams that I mean yeah. they're in the conversation. The Bengals are probably the most talented of all these seven and six teams when you consider the Steelers, the Colts, uh, the Broncos. The Bengals probably have the most talent. They have a very winnable game on Saturday because they're playing the Vikings at home. Then they go to Pittsburgh before they would have to go to Kansas City. So they they have a decent chance to win their next two games, get to nine and six. And if you can do that, you're probably going to be in the playoffs because uh, it could come down to week 18 against the Browns that both those teams, obviously in the playoff hunt and yeah, the Bengals very alive.
0: Yeah. Uh, using their run game too. I saw yeah. against this past week, against the Colts this past weekend, uh, Chase Brown rookie came out 54 yard touchdown. He also had a 25 yard reception, uh, a couple of runs, 31 yards and a 15-run yard against Jacksonville. And it's, you know, he's been playing pretty good the last couple of weeks. Been opening up Mixon as well. Joe Mixon's been able to kind of run the ball with him taking more of the longer snaps. And, yeah, I am I love seeing the Bengals utilize their run game these last couple of games. And it's really been showing out. And it's been helping the Bengals a lot, of course. That's sure. obvious. Yep. Uh, Jags-Browns, uh, we all thought it was going to be a bit of a snoozer. But I think Joe Flacco might be here to stay in uh, in Cleveland. What do you What do you think?
1: Joe Flacco always played well in Cleveland, didn't he, when he was a quarterback for the yeah. Ravens? So I guess it's no surprise that he's doing it uh, as a member of the Browns. 311 yards, and it's a little surprising that they threw the ball 45 times, considering that this you would think is going to be a run first team. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerome Ford with 12 carries, Kareem Hunt at only 10, but. Joe Flacco had it going downfield. He made some great throws to David Njoku, Amari Cooper. He's throwing back shoulder fades. This is the best quarterback play the Browns have probably had all season. Yes, I'm counting Deshaun Watson and that. Joe Flacco obviously knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He's been there before, been through the ringer, and he might be the guy that the Browns need right now. And Trevor Lawrence gutted it out, but he threw three interceptions. Yeah. And now you look yeah. at the Jags. Only a game up in the AFC South, Fourth seed right now in the AFC. So – they they need to get it together because they got the Ravens at home next week. I'm a little surprised that they had Trevor Lawrence play this game. I might have rested him for the Raven game next week.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my question. Do you think they, they they let him out too soon? And it sounds like they you think they did. I agree. I think he shouldn't have. He, but their, their, uh, their backup didn't do anything against the Bengals, though. And I actually forget what his name is. I forget Beathard. who he is. Beathard, yeah, the backup. He didn't do anything against the Bengals. So do you think the uh, Jags – had to kind of you know force their hand here because sure i don't seems think they like really, it. didn't really have any backup plans yeah but if they you're gonna really lose
1: pla- anyway then you might as well yeah. not risk a quarterback
0: just take an l just yeah. yeah yeah defense was weird for the jaguars uh they allowed two touchdown passes to pretty wide open receivers like really really wide open receivers it looked really bad at some points but they yeah. also did set up 14 points off for a uh, forced turnover so Jags playing, the the defense for the Jags playing good and bad at the same time it was a really weird day for them, but um, if they could have, you know, maybe had a little bit better of coverage, things could have been different for the Jags, but like you said, Zach, another AFC, like the Chiefs, another AFC team in a weird position where we didn't really think they would be at this time of the year. Panthers-Saints, Saints defense, uh, coming up big. Uh, not really hard against the Panthers, of course. Young uh, has been kind of struggling all season long, but they allowed 239 yards of total offense while Young threw for only a for just, just over 150. Uh, Saints defense, I think, was what ended up helping them win this game overall. Uh, Panthers just don't have a pass game at all. It's not, it's not all on Young. It's his pass catchers, too, and his offensive lineup been a problem all season long as well. But, yeah, just Young awful and offense for the Panthers awful. And it, I think it was a lot of just for the Saints defense, they showed up pretty well, too. I don't really have much else to say about this game um Seahawks 49ers we already kind of been to at length unless you have anything else to say about that game I no. I really don't um did we get the Broncos Chargers? I don't think we really. No, let's up. go
1: ahead and get to that I mean the Broncos are only a game back in the division now Russell Wilson's playing like Russell Wilson again and Cortland Sutton with one of the most ridiculous catches of the season but if you're a Charger fan of course the big story is Justin Herbert breaking his finger so he's probably going to be out for the year you know how about I think we all got our upsets right this week because I picked the Broncos to win. Uh, I think Justin had the Lions over the Bears or the Bears over the Lions. I mm-hmm. forget what you had.
0: What did I have? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what. I think I actually might have. I have to go back and look. I, don't, I actually don't know what I had. But um, yeah, no, it was, um, it was yeah, it's kind of weird day in the NFL. And uh, it's the playoff picture. Getting interesting, that's for sure. sure Overall picture is definitely getting interesting. Um, obviously, touch base on the Eagles, Cowboys, and like ready. So, new week's resolution, Zach. What is your new week's resolution?
1: New week's resolution. Um. So yeah, we don't have to talk about Shohei Otani's contract anymore. So there's that. Uh, my new week's resolution is I want to see the Miami Dolphins start beating some good teams, and they're not going to do it today because they're going to play the Titans. They're seven and zero against teams that are. Uh, below 500 they're averaging 37 a game but let's see what they do when they get the cowboys in a couple weeks let's see what they do when they get the ravens coming up they get the bills at the end of the season we're going to get to find out a lot about the dolphins but it isn't going to be tonight we're going to see if they can start beating some good teams and they need to because they right now are on pace with the ravens uh for the number one seed and you know it, it's one of those how much as much as kansas city struggled the last two weeks even if they have to go to miami I probably would still trust the Chiefs in the playoff game over the Dolphins right now, unless I see Miami start beating some quality teams.
0: Yeah, it's and I know we mentioned it earlier, maybe like a month ago, but do you think this year might be the year the NFC kind of takes takes over, quote-unquote, over the AFC as like more the dominant conference? Yeah, I think
1: the AFC is the deeper conference, but I think the firepower at the top of the NFC is better than the firepower at the top of the AFC. I think yeah. the Ravens are the best team in the AFC right now. But you look at the NFC, those top three are three of the five best teams in the league.
0: Yeah, and of course, a lot of that has been quarterback issues for the you know, AFC yeah, as well. Yeah, a lot well of AFC something. teams dealing with
1: quarterback problems.
0: Yeah. My new week's, new week's resolution, uh, USC basketball uh, needs to get better. Five and four with a bad loss to Long Beach State over the weekend. Uh, USC led by many uh, 17 points in the first half before Long Beach State used a late surge to come over uh, an overtime victory of 84 to 79. USC missed 16 free throws, turned the ball over 19 times. Uh, Isaiah Collier, uh, the freshman for USC, struggled from the free throw line. Uh, Duo star freshman Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier have not been elevating their overall play for USC at all. They've lost three of the last four games now after a four and one start to the season. Supposed to be one of the best teams in the league, but now they've lost the UC Irvine, Oklahoma, Gonzaga, and uh, Long Beach State. Like I said, Bronny just is all on the hillside of Bronny James making his uh, making his debut and scored in limited action after returning from cardiac arrest, which we already know or whatever his cardiac issues were. But I don't want to speculate. But yeah, USC, especially with on the heels of you know Bronny James coming in the town. Uh, starting to play uh, some minutes for the team they need to get some things figured out because like i said they they had pretty high expectations all things considered going to the league or going to the season and they've been struggling and they need to figure things out fast all right man let's move on to our interview with maria sorreo gonna break down chehiotane uh some rams chargers as well and then lakers winning the in-season tournament as well but without further ado let's head to the city of angels and we'll see you on the other side okay we now head to the city of angels and bring back on recurring guest maria Soreo um from rpv tv channel 33 in the local los angeles era maria how you doing had to have you on shohei otane coming out uh co- i mean well not coming out going to the dodgers next year i want to get your thoughts on this um, First off and foremost, we'll get into some Rams, Chargers as well, and then maybe even some Lakers winning the in-season tournament at the end. But I, I want to get your thoughts on the craziness that was going on with this Shohei Otane deal. You you go on Twitter, you go online, ESPN, Athletic, it doesn't really matter where you went. You were hearing reports all throughout the woodwork about where he was going to go. Giants, Cubs, Toronto. And it's funny because the team that everyone thought he was going to go to at the first place, he ended up actually going to. despite. All the whisper down the lane that was going on with this deal and so what was the overall impression like did you ever were you ever doubtful that he was not going to the dodgers because even before the 2023 season even started last year it was pretty much a lot of speculation that he was indeed going to go to the dodgers and just at the end of the day i mean just kind of take me through your thoughts on him finally choosing the dodgers and then just in light of especially all that you know whispering and false narratives that were going on online about where else he might sign
2: well, thanks for having me back on. And yes, it has kind of been Otani crazy here in Los Angeles. And, you know, it it actually kind of started in August when after he had that injury and then he stopped playing baseball and it was, okay, well, he's a free agent after the season's over. Where is he going? And of course, there was a lot of Dodger buzz. And then there was a lot of buzz that, you know, he he likes to sort of have that autonomy and maybe he was going to stay in Anaheim. And so- We were all kind of like, well, we'll see. And so all the reporters in Los Angeles are like, yeah, you know, maybe he'll just stay in Anaheim. There wasn't a lot of talk about the Dodger talk was kind of it was kind of in the background, you know, but nothing. And then when the season ended, it was I had a list. It was here were the teams that were for sure going to talk to Otani, and they were in the running. It was the Giants it was Toronto, it was Texas, it was Houston, it was Atlanta,
1: Everyone. it was
2: St. Louis, Um, let me see, it was San Diego, uh, Seattle, so there was, I mean, it. the list went, I, I ran out of fingers, so it was just mm-hmm. like on and on and on and on, and then it really sort of came down to, okay, it was either the Dodgers or Toronto, and that's when it just got like bat crazy over the last few days when it, it, the reports were i mean my phone was blowing up i'm like yeah. what is going on and and i'm sure this you saw the same things on twitter and instagram it was just like you know otani is flying to toronto mm-hmm. and he's gonna sign with toronto and it it was kind of crazy and and so then saturday morning i am actually in macy's and my phone just starts dinging 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 dinging, dinging. and Like what is happening? And it's Otani is going to the Dodgers as per his Instagram account. And I will not, I will not report anything unless the team has told me the players told me. So he did, he told everybody, He's like, I'm going to the Dodgers. It's the team I picked. And it was, but it was, I mean, there were, I think there were thousands of articles people wrote about this guy leading up to this moment.
0: Yeah. It was a real world, like where, you know, where in the world is, Carmen San Diego like it was a real real life situation happening there I mean I heard reports he was on Toronto and and, you know on a plane going to the Toronto and then I heard he wasn't you know you go on Twitter I I kid you not Maria I I was on Twitter on this would have been Friday I guess you know I I read a you know one one treat a tweet was he made a decision the next one he has not made a decision Yes. And the third one I read, he's made a, made a decision. And then the fourth one I read, he has not made a decision. And then you said it, I mean, every single team in the MLB was being thrown out there. Every single yeah. team. I haven't even heard of St. Louis. Uh, you just said St. Louis. That's even another team that I've heard of now. It's, it was just insane insanity. And, you know, the speculation that was going on, the little birdies, everything that was just, it was just crazy. And then, um, you know, finally going to the Dodgers. in it's funny, ironically, and like I said, at the end of the day, he ended up going to the team everyone thought he was going to go to. <laughs> so, but, it's and it, a- but you know, what,
2: you know what's kind of funny about that though is you know somebody who covers the Dodgers every day and the Angels so you know the dodgers need pitchings like very badly and Mm -hmm. so even though it was like okay you just spent seven hundred million dollars on joey otani you still have no starting pitching you've got kids that are coming up which is great and you hopefully got tony gonsolin and walker bueller coming back but and clayton kershaw maybe mid-season and so it was there was a part of me that thought well if you know if we get yamamoto he starts on day one that's fantastic but the deal that we're hearing now is that Otani will take, he'll defer some of his money so the Dodgers yeah. can go out. A and lot of his can, money. Yeah, so that yeah. they can go out and I don't know if they'll get Yamamoto. That's, you know, maybe they're talking $300 million for him, possibly. It's, it's monopoly money at this point for the rest of us, but they definitely have to get two starting pitchers. There's, there's no question.
0: Yeah. And I mean, how about that, that report, the reports, I mean, it was only an hour before me and you came online here to talk, I mean, an hour or two before these reports were coming out about him deferring, what 68 million of his yearly, uh, you know, salary until the end of his 10 year contract. And I've never seen, I mean, I I guess it kind of shows a win now mentality for, uh, for Shohei Otani though. Wouldn't you say, I mean, what else would it really be?
2: Well, I think it does. I think that he, you know, he has said more than anything that he really wants to win now. And he wanted to go to a team that was ready to win and set up to win. And obviously, um, you know, the Dodgers are a very good team. They've got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. You've got so many guys that are, are ready to go, Um, you know, and they've got a pretty good bullpen already, but you know, the starters is really kind of the, that that's the Achilles. So, you know, for him to defer some money. Now, in the end, we don't, we don't really know how much yet, how this Mm -hmm. is all going to go down. And I'm not sure we're going to exactly know, because as you know, like these things kind of leak out, we don't exactly know how it's going to go. But my big question mark is, because we've never really been told, did he just have Tommy John surgery? Or did he have a stem cell procedure? We don't really know that. Now, Mm -hmm. I would assume they he has to tell the Dodgers and he has to disclose that, but yeah. they, he doesn't have to tell the media. And so think about this. He he starts next season, you know, day one as a hitter, but what if he never pitches again? Yeah. Is he a $700 million hitter?
0: Yeah. Well, Zach. So uh, Zach, my, you know, my co-host, he, in the, uh, before this interview in our, you know, intro that we do, he mentioned it. He might, take the same path that um, Bay Roof took when he went to the Yankees. He might never pitch again. Maybe he, he might end up finding that he's more uh, effective and, uh, you know, can provide more to a team uh, when he does play strictly offense, especially, you know, as, you know, his arm health gets a little bit older as yes. with all these, with the surgery he just had. But of course, you know, not pitching for the next season, 2024, we already, that's pretty much already a lock. He's not going to, pitch next season unless I'm here okay I'm right when I say that but let's go to the offensive side of the ball I mean you know the offensive side though um tell me if I'm wrong but I think he will hit third correct he's probably gonna hit third in the lineup I mean I know that might not be known yet it's still time will tell but given the situation he does hit third behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman would that be the best three um starting lineup in like MLB history yeah it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, what do you th- I mean? It could be what it, it, it probably could be the top uh, starting lineup in MLB history. Just those, it could three guys. yeah,
2: it could be because I mean, you know, you've got Will Smith, who their catcher, who's usually a 30 home run guy, you've got Jason Hayward, who resurrected his career last year and did very, very well, you've got Gavin Lux coming back, he does very, very well, Max Muncie i believe he hit 30 or 40 last year so he is very effective and then you've got Freddie, and you've got Mookie. so and with otani now it's it's a lot of offense there's no question about it
0: yeah and and you mentioned him take you know um basically deferring his money to the end of the end of his contract but it's you dodgers are probably going to make up this money pretty fast especially with all the money they're going to get from japan overseas all the dodgers fans out there i mean it's 700 million over 10 years. It's not going to take 10 years for Dodgers to probably make 700 million off of him. And so they're, and especially with him deferring all that money to the end of the contract, they're definitely making out a big, big time with him.
2: And check this out. So we found out that the last season with the angels, when he, especially when he was pitching and hitting and, you know, every game up until August, every homestand his jersey would sell out sell out they made millions of dollars selling his jerseys when that hits dodger blue i'm sure it will be the exact same thing every homestand that jersey will sell out
0: now i know it's we, this is pretty well known already but it's the, shohei otane notorious and you already alluded to it too notorious for not telling people much if anything uh, you know, a lot of that's based on his agent too, instruct him yep. to do that. A lot of that's not just him, but his agent as well. Um, I know there were some uh, reports coming out. And like I said, of what you know, from what I just said, this might be wrong, but in speculation. But I heard he might not want a big spotlight uh, next year where he played. And then, of course, he signed with the Dodgers, which you can't get more of a spotlight than that. So were you surprised given some of the reports we were hearing about him. Uh, not wanting that you know that big you know uh, that that big prime time feel are you surprised that he did go to the dodgers because for me that's why toronto did make sense for me because it it was a little bit of a smaller market where he could you know kind of have less eyes on him which is some reports were leaning that's what he wanted but in that in light of that were you surprised that he you know ultimately went, went to the dodgers given you know what he was saying well potentially i saying. was
2: surprised well i was i was surprised I, I to be honest with you when it took so long to get this decided for him i thought he's going to toronto because or maybe he stays with the angels because he pretty much could hide there and his agent dictated his career and the angels they went along with it um at Dodger Stadium when you've got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman who talk to the media ha- have their own charities um do events for the Dodgers the Dodgers are a they're a, a, an international brand let's face it i mean when you've got a history that includes Tommy Lasorda and Vin Scully and you know, uh, all these all these players from just just historically from Steve Garvey and Fernando and the list goes on and on and on. He's about to walk into that. And it's very difficult to hide in that atmosphere. So Mm -hmm. to answer your question, it's the thing we're all most interested to find out is, are you going to from day one, tell everybody I'm here, but I don't want to talk to anyone because i don't see how that's going to work out at dodger stadium yeah. i really don't
0: it's a good point because I, I like like we've just been saying this whole time he, he's someone that doesn't like to really give much to people he doesn't he likes to stay under the radar doesn't really like telling people much if anything at all and you really can't do that with the dodgers so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that part of it all unravels let's talk about before moving on the football rams chargers i do want to ask one more question about the dodgers sure. just just take me in the mindset of the fans from the expectation standpoint of it now. No, I mean, I know it's only one player still, but one of the best offensive players, if not the best offensive player in the league. And of course, pitching still has to be determined, you know, this off season, but currently the betting favorites in, uh, I'm looking at FanDuel now, 550 betting favorites to win the World Series. Uh, Of course, we all saw how how they turned out in the playoffs this last year. Yeah. What is like, I mean, the expectations for this team now I mean does it is it kind of like a no excuse type of mindset now going into going to next year
2: I mean I think that depending on the starting pitching that they get I mean even with Otani look Otani adds a huge amount right now but they cannot walk into the season with the same pitching that they had last year, because as you just said, we saw what happened at the end of the year that week off is a real thing. And I I mean, I've heard so many different thoughts on that, but it is a real thing. They cannot take a week off. So how they're going to deal with that. I don't know, but one player, like you said, even though it's otani for the fans the expectation is world series world series world series world series but you have got to get some you've got to get some starting pitching in there right away
0: yeah no and we'll we'll see what happens i know that's a big part of the reason why he's taking that pay cut of course and well now it's time for the front office to get some work done yeah move on on the football now chargers Rams, take your pick. Let's let's start with the Chargers. We'll get the Rams in a second, Dennis. Okay. Played pretty good on Sunday despite the loss, but Chargers. Yes. Let me ask you. Let's start with the Chargers with this simple question: Can Stanley do anything the rest of the year to save his job, or is it pretty decided that if he's going to have a hard time keeping his job once this year ends?
2: Somebody asked him that yesterday post game if he was concerned about his job and you know, he sort of gave the standard line, which you know he would, just that all I can keep doing right now is just preparing for the next game. We have a short week. We're playing the Raiders Thursday night. And so I the thing that is the most strange is when you go into that locker room midweek, it's almost like I, I feel like it's like a hot air balloon that somebody let all of the air out of. And it's just kind of very, just kind of like, nothing. It's very, just the air is yeah. all out. And I feel like for whatever reason, that coaching staff that is working within those walls right now is just not working out with Justin Herbert, with that defense, with the special teams to be able to pull it all together, you know, and there's so much, you want to talk about expectations. I mean, think about it. You had a Joy Bosa, you've got, you know, a great quarterback, you've guys, got yeah. wide, you know, you I mean Justin Herbert, you've got really good wide receivers, you have a pretty good running ba- game. So for that to all have kind of unravelled the way it did this year and you couldn't really put your finger on it. it you know, like somebody once told me if a, if, a te- if a football team is doing really good, they praise the quarterback. If they're doing really bad, it's always the coach's fault. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've had this conversation before. Brandon Staley's got one more year left on this contract, and I do not know how they keep him for another year, but the Spanos family does not – they don't like to pay people and then fire them and then have to pay them. So I don't (laughs) – if he were to stay another year, I just – I don't know how he stays another year. Nicest guy in the world. I just don't think he's a right fit for that team.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, the more a contract goes, the less you have to pay out, of, of course. The, the less the less, less left on a contract, the less you have to pay yeah. out. But, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been Herbert for sure, right? I mean, Herbert's been playing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, wide receivers, just not really getting it done. Really bad pa- drop passes, not as bad as the Chiefs, of course, but overall just not really making crucial catches when they need to. Defense, letting them down, all, I mean, have been letting, do letting have, them down. How do you
2: have Joy Bosa and Khalil Mack Derwin James I mean these are big stars these are these are big name players that for some reason it's it's there's no continuity it's not working and even with Justin Herbert with Callum Moore coming over as offensive coordinator we thought we were going to see him really go on an upward module okay and really he stayed like this and of course now it's really dipping down but there's there's something especially yesterday's game he is getting he they were zero for 12 on the third down and i don't know how many times he was sacked multiple times that justin herbert was sacked which eventually led to the finger and now you know it, mm-hmm. it's broken he's going to be out probably it hasn't been noted for the rest of the year but he's definitely not going to play thursday night i would think they would probably shut him down for the season because it's on his throwing hand and you know it I asked him last night, I said, you know, are you in pain? He said it didn't feel good, you know, and and he has a hard time throwing with that when his fingers are obviously um, not working right with his throwing hand. So I don't know. I mean, he mm-hmm. just seemed so out of sync last night, overthrowing a lot of wide receivers. And there's just something that's just, there's something not right about that team. And we're all trying to put our fingers on it because there's just too much talent. Too much
0: yeah. talent on the team. I mean, look at the defense. They allow the fourth most total yards, fourth most passing, uh, and then the run game, they're having some trouble with as well, stopping the run game, all things considered. So it's gonna be, yeah, a lot of things get figured out now. And now it, Justin Herbert's finger is officially broken. He's gonna be out. I, how long did you say he might be out for? I, if you did well, say that I Easton
2: it. Stick will definitely be starting on Thursday against the Raiders. Uh, but they, they haven't said for sure if he's out the rest of the year, but they've only got three more games, so you know, at, you, you're not going to put, yeah, exactly. And at this point, I, I don't know that they might have like this big of a chance maybe of a playoff berth, but it's really not looking good.
0: Easton stick, wow, East and stick. <laughs> as, yeah. we all, as we all know, <laughs> of Easton, <and> <laughs> uh, Rams side of the ball uh, playing, uh, get, get to the Rams now, they've been playing really good. Uh, you know, it's all yeah. I have to really. I mean, I'll let you go on from there, but I don't want to lead you too broad. But they've been playing really, really good these last four weeks.
2: You know what's interesting about the Rams is this year everybody kind of went into it like, oh, you know, they're not going to be that good. Last year, of course, was the hangover year after Super Bowl and. It was really kind of disastrous. But this year, it's been interesting, of course, with Puka Nakua. He is a phenom rookie wide receiver that has just been playing like a stud. Of course, he's got Cooper Cup to look up to. to One of the Coopers helped him a lot. But the guy's got so much natural talent. He's a total gamer. And he has just been fantastic. And so you've got him that nobody really thought would you know be, matter and be really effective and he has been you know and so that's been a really nice surprise for them and then you had john johnson coming back who came back to the rams um, on defense he was in cleveland after he left the rams he comes back to the rams for the league minimum this year and now he's making a huge impact on defense so their their defense has really come together raheem morris has done an exceptional job there's already been stories written about, you know, Raheem did such a great job with the defense this year that, you know, he'll be a, he'll be a head coach next year for sure. And you know, we, we love him. We love having him. We hope not, but we also wish him the best because he's such a phenomenal coach, but they have really turned it around defensively. Of course they still have Aaron Donald and there's just so many really good players defensively. So they've made a big difference. And, you know, as long as we can hold Matthew Stafford together and, you know, he's, listen, he's older. We all know that, you know, but he can do things as Sean McVay has told us many times that, most quarterbacks just simply cannot do throws that other guys could not make because he has been in this league and he has been doing this for so long. Um, yeah. So we have seen a, a Rams team. that has been a really nice surprise. And in that game yesterday, you saw that they were really going toe to toe with the Baltimore Ravens who are arguably the best team, you know, in the AFC. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how that goes, but I, I think they're doing great. I mean, it, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they win their last three games, except they do have to play San Francisco in San Francisco. So that could be, that could be, that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but they're playing. I don't know if, if people were counting them out. Sometimes I think teams do that. Honestly, they're like, Oh yeah, it's just the Rams and they do look at film. They do study players, but you have to wonder that when you see the way teams play sometimes, like, did they not look at the film? What is going on here? So I, I don't know. They're playing great and we'll see.
0: No, I mean, they've been playing, like I said already, they've been playing amazing since sort of week nine by the last four weeks. Yeah. Lost the Baltimore Sunday, but uh, they played off Cooper Nakua no, played great again. Cooper Cup played great. Stafford may have had yep. his best game of the year, maybe. I yeah. mean, it, if you think of on Sunday, they racked up 410 yards against a deep, uh, uh Baltimore defense excuse me didn't turn the ball over once despite rainy conditions uh picked off Lamar Jackson so they even I mean it's complimentary football all things considered their offense is playing good and their defense is you know amazing too and so one of the hottest teams in the NFC right now besides you know outside maybe the Cowboys and 49ers um let me ask you this though funny I mean what do you think the t- win total is going to be for a NFC wild card spot cuz only 3 t- only 4 teams, excuse okay. me, have 9 or more wins and 3 of those 4 are the, the divisional leaders. Um yes. so everyone else seems to be at 7 and like 7 wins or 6 wins. Uh, you know, of course, the Rams being one of those teams with 6. So do you think 8 wins might get a team into the playoffs in the NFC this year?
2: it It very well could. I was looking at that list as well yesterday, and I saw so many six and seven, seven, and six all the way down. And you're thinking, Wow, this is it, it there's been such a change from maybe even week seven on, you know, maybe it's that middle part of the season toward the end, but there has been just this drastic change with teams for a while. It looked like Pittsburgh was very good. And then they've lost some games that you were kind of head scratchers. Like, why, how, how did you guys lose that? You know? And we've seen some of these teams where like a Kansas city, that is a very good solid team that are they getting figured out or they making mistakes. Sometimes it's bad calls, but they're not winning every game again, yes, they are the top of the division. Look at Denver. I mean, Denver, I have to say though, Sean Payton went in there and he is definitely bringing that team back to life. But I was looking at the standings and I'm like, wow, Denver is right in there. They Mm -hmm. haven't, you know, they're still involved. What are they? Are they seven and six now?
0: They are seven and six. Yep. Yeah.
2: So, (laughs) right. So they're kind of in the middle and we've got all these kind of in the middle teams and Mm -hmm. with, A couple of games left it's going to be very interesting to see how that is all gonna come out for a wild card
0: well they're very similar so it's funny because like you can almost argue the Broncos are the Rams of the AFC a team that has a pretty easy schedule all things considered going down the stretch I mean the Broncos do play the Lions next week but after that I mean well the Lions have looked pretty bad lately especially on defense and then after that they play the Patriots Chargers and Raiders and of course they're at seven and six probably a nine total wins will be what you need in the AFC but then you look at the Rams and their schedule coming up uh we already talked about maybe how an eight win uh team could get into the wild card but the Rams play the Commanders next week then the Saints, then the Giants, and then have to finish up with the 49ers. But if they can get three of these four wins and maybe even two of these four wins coming up, um, you know they're they're going to be a playoff team uh, most likely, especially if they get three wins. But like the Broncos, though, my point, they're definitely a team that despite being in the middle of the pack, I would say, and I want to get your thoughts on this here, I would say they they're a team that a team would not want to face in the playoffs, especially early, given how they're playing and firing right now.
2: I totally agree. It's one of those teams where, like I said before, you kind of went into the season thinking they're just, they're not that good. They started off kind of slowly and now they've built up to the point where again, yeah, you wouldn't want to play that team because that defense is no joke. And they showed that yesterday against arguably one of the very best teams in the Baltimore Ravens. So you don't want to have to either come into LA or have them come into your house and, just explode like that because you you could be getting that same rams team and with those players they're they are fired up clubhouse anyway i have to tell you it's the energy when you are at the rams is i mean you can you can feel it it's everybody is really a beat and there's a lot of laughter. This having a lot of the younger players in there this year has brought life back to that to that clubhouse and to that team. So it's really been a different feeling. There's more than just like oh, a feeling of hope. It's a feeling of we are getting better and better every week. So look out, we're coming for you. You know, and that is a lot of fun when you're covering football and obviously when you're playing football because you want to have that kind of exuberance, that kind of energy. And somebody like head coach Sean McVay, he just he just you know, he just encourages that, you know, when he's out there and you're watching practice, there's just, you, you can just feel it. You can see it. It's palpable. And we saw it in the preseason and just thought, okay, well, this is fun. There's a lot of young guys, but boy, they have caught on quick. And I agree with you. I would not want to have to meet up with them in a wild card game because uh, you're getting a kind of an eye of what you might get.
0: No, and it only depends. It only matters how you play at the end of the season. Really. Look at their right? losses though. Uh 49ers, game of the year, uh Bengals the week after that, but with Joe right. Burrow, Eagles yeah. two weeks after that. Uh and you know other losses they've had this year, Cowboys and then yeah. the Ravens this past week. Only bad losses you could really say would be Steelers and Steelers and uh, Packers. Uh just especially, you know, Packers have been playing pretty good, but Pack- Packers did beat them 20 to 3, which wasn't the greatest, you know, great loss by them, but yeah, I mean, overall, the teams that they've lost to have been pretty good teams and they've definitely had a one of the greatest turnarounds, if not the best turnaround of any team in the league this year. And so, yeah, we'll see if they can continue to play how they've been playing. What's been the hype with uh, Puka Nakua? I mean, how, how excited have fans been for his uprising and how he's been playing this year in his rookie year? It-
2: It is so huge. I love going down pregame because we're on the sidelines and the fans that come in early to the game are just screaming his name. And you can, you know, you can hear the puka whenever he makes a touchdown or catches a ball. And whenever they, whenever the fans already kind of give you a nickname and they're yelling your name, you know, and he is still, it's still so new to him, you know, that he is just taking it all in and we just love that i i just i I hope he can keep that and hold on to it because it's so cool to go from virtual obscurity to wow people know who i am and they're yelling my name and they bought my jersey and you know he has just been so fun to watch and when you see him making these unbelievable catches and a couple weeks ago against the browns he got knocked out of the game. It looked like he, in fact, Sean McVay said, I thought he died. And then he, you know, he jumps back up and there he is. He's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. and he's back in the game. And that also fires those guys up, not to mention the fans. When you see somebody get a hit like that, and then they're like, I am back in and that's who he is. So he is just, he's a gamer and the fans, they're feeding off of it. They love it.
0: Let's finish up with The lakers maria this has been awesome like it always is lakers just won uh i know nba is obviously still early in the season many people say that they might not start paying much more attention to the nba until maybe after christmas but they did win the in-season tournament of course like i just said nba not super popular at the beginning of the year especially with football still going on but that's the one of the reasons why the in-season tournament was made to get people more interested in the nba early on in the season and Uh, As a little bit of an aside, I want to get your thoughts on the tournament so far. I mean, we talked about it at length on this show, uh, how successful it was. And not many people, including, you know, the three of us on this show, me, Zach, and Justin, none of us thought it was going to be as successful as it was. I think ratings were up, you know, in the nights that the games were being played, ratings were up close to like 20%. And, you know, the actual tournament itself you know once the brackets came out were really exciting too and people loved it and so despite the courts i would say it was an overall success yeah.
2: you know it's so funny you bring that up too because a lot of people here a lot of reporters we were you know we we're kind of gauging with the tiny stuff and then there's football and you know for us um lebron james son Bronny had his first game back yesterday mm-hmm. at usc which was like just a huge that was a huge game yeah. and of course, LeBron was there, this family, and and there was a few of us reporters saying, "Okay, well, we have talked about the uh, Bronny's game. We've talked about football. We were talking about Otani, and we're like, and the Lakers win the in season tournament tournament. And I feel like it was like an afterthought, even though I think for a lot of fans, like you mentioned, people were watching it, and I I think that it." it was really good actually for the game because a lot of us were asking the same thing. Like, do you like it? Do you like how they kind of throw it in in the middle like this and which games count for the season and which games don't. And so it was, I think it was a little confusing, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think that people actually started watching it and it kind of hyped them up a little bit to have something that was really mattering in the middle of the season versus, Oh, well, it's just, game number 30 game number 31 you know and you're it's kind of like baseball like you're just kind of going through it until mm-hmm. you get to you know later in the season but uh, for the Lakers it was really good because they kind of had a slow start um, the Clippers had a very slow start I mean they've got nothing but superstars on that team and they're just now starting to win games so we're kind of mm-hmm. hoping that that will continue for them but yeah, I think that this the in game tournament is the in season tournament is really a good thing, and of course for Laker fans they love it. I mean, Laker fans are very loyal, they're very dedicated. They go to games. It doesn't matter if it's whatever, they they go to games, so they're yeah. in, they're all in.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, especially if there's no football going on. I mean, it's still it's still a great, you know, great product the Lakers. But it sounds like Los Angeles fans as a whole, you know, outside the the strict Laker fans themselves. It sounds like their minds were kind of occupied with other things going on, as, you know, especially given football being on and then Otone signing and Dodgers coming up. Like it sounded like their mindset were were a little had divided attention as you would. I you think could, so. You and, yeah. and, you know,
2: we talk about that a lot during baseball season because in the summertime, you know, they'll talk about like the dog days of the summer, but there's people going to the beach here. It's not like in other parts of the country where you know, if it's a beautiful day, there are so many other things that people might do, except maybe go to a baseball game. But, you know, now that football is back in L.A., that really takes over the season, Um, especially if baseball, you know, they, they don't go very far in the playoffs with the Angels and the Dodgers. So then you've got you know, you're, you're ending in September and you've got October, November, December of just full of football. And that's basically what we've had. And there's a little bit of hockey going on, obviously, and the Kings are getting a little better. So people are starting to pay attention to that. But yeah, I think when there's just all of these sports happening at one time, and then you're going to throw in this tournament that was like, wait a minute, wait, what, what is going on here? You know? So it is a lot going on at one time, but you know, we love it here. We love all the, we love all the parody of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess my last question is, Bronny. Obviously, coming back USC, uh, you mentioned that already. Uh, bad, yeah. bad, loss. All things considered, unfortunately, given his return to Long Beach State. Um, but do you think uh, the Lakers will uh, draft Bronny, or maybe another yeah, team to try to entice? I know that's been a big storyline uh, this whole year, and even before he came into you know into the NCAA. I know that was a big storyline that teams would want to draft him for a lot, for even just enticing LeBron to maybe join their team as well.
2: Well, and you, you know that LeBron has said openly that he wants to play his last mm-hmm. year with his son. And so uh, my question actually to the other day to somebody was, well, is there something in LeBron's contract where they'll have to draft Bronny next year so that, you know, they can play for a season together? And of course, all of my NBA guys are like, no, 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 they won't do that because then they lose a pick and if he's not good and so forth and so on. But I think that, you know, I, I, at this point, honestly, LeBron has openly talked about when his son, you know, had the heart issue and he was just so relieved that he was okay. And he came through it, you know, and, and really, I was just so thrilled for him yesterday that he has the opportunity to get back out there and play basketball again. So I think we're going to have to kind of like do a wait and see with him to see, can he continue to play? Does he have the stamina to play and really just send him good thoughts. But as far as when, when or if he will be drafted and play with lebron i think that's kind of still up in the air
0: yeah you you forgot the human element to it with everything you know yeah. that happened with his heart but yeah good to, good to hear that he's okay time will yeah. tell though usc pretty tough tough season so far uh for them yeah, All, yeah and i know we kind of mean we touched base on that uh earlier in the show but um yeah it's a tough season over overall for usc but we'll see if they can turn it around
2: yeah, basketball, football. It ha- it's been a little tough the last uh, month or so. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, All right, well, Maria, this has been awesome uh, as always. I can't can't thank you for coming on. always absolutely. a fun always, always a fun always talk. Pleasure. So we'll be in touch, and we you know we'll be on. You'll I'd love to have you on in the future. Talk some absolutely. Always we'll things going about, on with LA, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll talk. No we'll talk more
2: of Otani when he gets here, and I'll let you know if uh, Joe Kelly gave up his number seventeen for Otani. I think he probably will.
0: You think you will oh yeah okay you think you will i think so. i think his his hands might be a little tied but
2: he'll probably give it maybe a million dollars thank you for giving up your number would would you give it up i think i'd give it up
0: yeah yeah i mean i would because you're getting a lot of scrutiny if you don't and i i don't think it's really worth it to be honest for a number the money is not the really issue it's more people coming at you online for not doing it is more what I would exactly. be concerned about, <laughs> but all right. All right, Maria, we'll be in touch Absolutely. and uh, we'll have all you right. out again.
2: Take care. Happy holidays.
0: Uh, you too. Take care. Okay. All right, Zach, let's finish up with our intake and outtakes of the week. Zach, what is your intake of the week?
1: Yeah, my intake of the week is going to be that the Buffalo bills are the most dangerous of all the seven and six teams, because they're the one that I think has a chance to actually make a run in the playoffs. I mean, we talked about all they got to do, Uh, they got the Cowboys coming up. They've got the Dolphins coming up. If they get 10 wins, I think that's going to be enough to get them in the playoffs because I thought they needed to split the Eagles and Chiefs games, and they were able to do that. Josh Allen, yes, he's turned the ball over nine consecutive games, but there's a reason people think Josh Allen's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league because he makes plays like he made at the end of the game. Uh, Yesterday, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, that's still a very good receiving core. And the, the defense did a great job against that Kansas City offense, holding them to 17 points. If the Bills make the playoffs, could they be one of those teams that we've seen, you know, the 2010 Packers, the 2011 Giants, the mm-hmm. 2012 Ravens. We've seen some teams lately go on some big deep runs that teams that just barely snuck into the playoffs go on and win the Super Bowl because they've been playing playoff football for about a month. Maybe the Bills could fit that bill, no pun intended, this year, especially with yeah. the AFC being as wide open as it seems.
0: Yeah, and you said it. that win on Sunday was – much much i mean it was needed must win for them to have any chances going down the stretch and to make the playoffs and they're hot right now all playing pretty good especially on offense and we'll see what happens to them my intake espn released their way too early all-star lineups uh tyrese mac or (laughs) tyrese uh, halliburton and tyrese Maxey, uh front runners for um the front court duo for the east the tyrese takeover is real for sure halliburton uh, we all know came out as a star in the in-season tournament. Uh, this, you know, this that just ended this past Saturday. His true shooting percentage, which factors in, of course, threes and twos and free throws, is seventeen percent higher than the league average. He's carrying twenty-six point five percent of the usage rate for the Pacers and is leading the, is helping the Pacers be one of the best offensive efficiency teams in the country. Maxi, of course, averaging a league high thirty-eight point four minutes per game. Uh, following, you know, hardness departure, of course, uh, 27.1 points per game. That's 12th in the league. He has a six, uh, 60% true shooting percentage, um, and he's playing all things. He's playing really, really well, too, and he's also done a remarkable job avoiding avoiding turnovers with a 4.8 assist-to-turnover ratio, and he ranks sixth among players with at least 500 minutes in that category. So, yeah, I mean, with guys like Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young in the East, this young duo is turning heads and clearly the leaders uh, to maybe even take over the all-star game for the East and lead the front court. And it's been pretty amazing to see these young players come up. Like I said, the Tyrese takeover is real and it's something to look forward to down sure. the stretch, especially as we head into the midseason season, all-star game. What's your outtake of the week, Zach?
1: Outtake is there are way too many bowl games. I'm sorry that we don't need to see 44, 42, whatever the number is when ha- over half the FBS is able to make bowl games it devalues their importance. And, You look Saturday, there's three bowl games, I think, that start uh, Howard-Florida A&M, Jacksonville State-Louisiana, Miami-Appalachian State, UCLA-Boise State. So there's going to be six bowl games on Saturday. But the thing is, there's three NFL games with all having playoff implications going on. 7-6 Minnesota, versus 7-6 Cincinnati, uh, 7-6 Pittsburgh against the 7-6 Colts, and then you've got 7-6 Denver against a fading Detroit team. So all three of those Saturday games have significant meaning, so uh let's just say that i will not be watching any of the bowl games on saturday because they're meaningless and you know outside of the playoff that all these bowl games are essentially meaningless i realize why they exist obviously to make money yeah. but that there just needs we we need to go back to about 20 bowl games we don't need six and six teams going to bowls
0: yeah a fun <laughs> a fun game to play one time would just be to name random names of bowl games and having to guess if they're real or not because yeah oh i've done that yeah have you oh <laughs> it's yeah i think something i thought of before just with friends or something just just name real names and fake names and see if people can guess which games have are you know what are actual bowl, names of actual bowl games or not because <laughs> some of these names are just ridiculous maybe we can i don't know do something with that later on but my outtake of the week um i already mentioned it already the controversial call against uh uh, clown or you know against the Chiefs this uh, this past weekend, um, yeah. I mean Tony, he definitely was offsides, but again, like I said, I think it doesn't really affect the play of the game. But offsides is offsides, all things considered. Um, Mahomes, I think in particular, my outtake will be Mahomes and Andy Reid uh, taking their frustrations out on the refs. I've never seen Mahomes so animated in his whole career. I, I the way he was on the sidelines, and especially even after the game, how how he was talking, I never really saw Mahomes like that before. Clearly frustrated, but doesn't really have any stance to be that frustrated because, like I said, it was definitely offsides. And the refs did get it right. They bring in, you know, they bring in the whoever the whatever his name is, you know, on Sunday Night Football, they are not Sunday Night Football, whatever the role analyst is for CBS. They brought him in. He confirmed it. Uh, they had people on ESPN after the fact. They confirmed it. Twitter, people refs on Twitter uh, c- confirming it as well. I mean, it definitely was offsides. Everyone's saying it. So, I know it was a spur of the moment, in the heat of the moment, but uh, yeah, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes don't really have much of a, a soapbox to sit on because it's pretty, pretty clear and pretty uh, the big consensus online is that he definitely was offside. So, all right, good show, Zach Justin. Back on Thursday, gonna try to get somebody on from University of Texas. Uh, Texas obviously coming up in about three weeks here, playoff game against. Uh, against Washington. So we'll break all that down with him. Hopefully, you know, get somebody for that. But until then, we'll see you Thursday and keep on traveling.